I have a little special, maybe a very short enlightenment time. We'll find out. But I was watching a couple of lovely 5D educators on the well and came across some important information for my lovely 5D mystics and enlightenment soul age group or just anyone who is looking to be in that lovely 5D plane. One is consciousness, functional adult integration of the mind, restorative embodied self. So when you look at the way that enlightenment experiences affect the brain, this is Dr. Andrew Newberg. And he makes this lovely statement, which is actually quite accurate. Those of us who are in the enlightenment soul age group, from a 5D mystic's perspective, so you have a relationship with the energetic sphere, we are most definitely in relationship with this. In this video that is, um, I don't remember the title of it, but it has something to do with enlightenment and the way it affects our brain. Yes, that. He shares consciousness, he says. It's all around us. And our brain is more like a radio receiver that taps into this universal consciousness for a period of time while we are here on earth. And then it goes back to that universal consciousness when we go away. And this is as he's ending, because he's saying, you know, all people have enlightenment experiences, ordinary people, not only those who do activities within a spirituality community, so yoga or um, the individuals religiously or through, you know, uh, other types of activities such as the drug-induced experiences. The aspect that changes in the brain, he talks about this, and that is what I wanted to share because we all have heard, well, I know I have heard, maybe you haven't, but from Sadhguru when he is sharing or anybody who does spirituality, they always talk about, you know, the the pineal gland and third eye, and then they talk about these parts of our brain, but they do so with the stories and with a lot of the old stuff. They don't integrate the new stuff. So this Dr. Andrew Newberg, he's a neuroscientist. He integrates new stuff. Now, he also ends his video with the fact that, of course, we don't have all the answers, he says. And it's going to take some time before they can answer. And, and really, will we ever have quote-unquote answers to everything. I'm sure physics will find answers to the Big Bang, but we don't have that yet. And in the meantime, what we also know is that all people don't have the same amount of curiosity to explore all different subject matters. Furthermore, if they fixate on the aspects of spirituality or religiousness or the practices, even technological-induced practices, Andrew was talking about stimulation of the temporal lobes because that's our executive decision makers. So there are these technologies in modern age, in fact, integrates technologies. When you think of people talking about reprogramming and they're also um, talking about us like, you know, we're robots in technology, basically. So all being said, when you hear about people who talk of what can take place with enlightenment, they don't make it ordinary. So Andrew's one of the first. I come on board with my own content for the IHP community and all those 5D educators that we've been hearing about and that I've been sharing with you as well. But he's the first who actually gives us enlightenment for 
ordinary people, which is every one of us, does have access to our same brain. In fact, he says, the images that they see when you use your brain, we all use pretty much the same 5-10%. So we use our brain in the same way, which is why these experiences are what then can create the changes. It's the experiences. It's not just that. He says how you think. So there can be changes to the structure of your brain, but the way you contemplate, obviously, is also what we will look at a little bit, or not today because too many noises around. I want to share with you the parts of the brain that change. So he says the parietal lobe, that one is the first area that he mentions, and it is in the back of our brain, and this part of our brain takes all of our sensory information, and it helps us to construct a sense of ourselves and how that self relates to the world in a kind of special way, he says. He says, this area quiets down when we have enlightenment experiences or when we have those states of oneness and unity. So when you feel in Satori moments, essentially. And you lose the sense of self and you lose the sense of space in these moments. This is why he says it's normal that that area quiets down. Anyone who will be a neuroscientist will be like, well, of course, because they study the brain, know how it works, all the parts of it, like a car. If you're a mechanic, you know what parts you need for the car. For this person, because, again, this parietal lobe is familiar to him. He knows what it does. He's like, well, duh, if you have oneness, so you don't have a sense of self, you don't have a sense of space, this, this part of your brain doesn't need to be active like when our integration of the mind takes place and Daniel Siegel explains how our default mode network is downregulated, And so we're not scanning the others and the self so that we can see, can we engage our social engagement system, our ventral vagal or not? And that's why integration of the mind is part of you if you want to consistently be in your 5D self-empowered enlightenment soul age group. The way you use your infinite higher human consciousness potential is how i'm going to term it so this is where we get to expand on yeah anyone can be a mystic how many can move into 5d mysticism how many can move into being a functional adult furthermore more than just that because again it's towards all that you want to lead with compassion so first of all compassion for yourself and leading with your own self and compassion is the only way you're going to actually navigate your brain to get it to be integrated because using left and right without your default mode network on if the os is on and you're still scanning you're going to be potentially in your yellow mode or your red mode yellow is fight flight and red is freeze it's the part when shut down so remember when we're in yellow people don't hear those are those adaptive children when they're in red they're being pretty nasty so that's usually reactive somebody who has a burst of anger or frustration they don't know how to handle their emotional triggers and they take it out in a min in a minute or a second on someone biological rudeness they don't choose to be in that way they're using their reptilian autonomous nervous system their fight flight freeze not knowing how to engage in their social engagement with a little bit of yoga, meditation, you start learning how to work with your neocortex if you want. But that's only one step. You get to choose if you're going to be compassionate towards all or not, which is where learning psychoeducation can help. So this parietal lobe, you lose the sense of self, you lose the sense of space. You get to have the Satori moment, which people describe as if it's not possible to have when they only 
talk with spirituality in the forefront here's where i can share with you plenty of flow moments and beautiful twin flames not twin flames you have plenty of satori moments if you know how to consistently engage with unconditional love in your body with flaws and imperfections so the most important aspect he says of this enlightenment experience is that it is permanent so once it rearranges or once it has this uh, effect that this parietal lobe basically you lose that functioning it quiets down the experience rearranges how your brain works for the rest of your life the other area is the thalamus this structure he says is also part of the process and he also states some people think it's a seat of consciousness and it takes our sensory information and brings it to different parts of the brain it helps different areas of the brain to communicate together and he says it's an area that is dramatically changed when you have enlightenment experiences whether you do it through practices or just because you have some beautiful aha moments and he actually equates small aha moments and big aha moments so small enlightenment moments and capital e enlightenment moments and he goes on to say how it changes the perception of the reality of the world that you get to engage the way you think the way you sense the way your brain interacts with reality and an example he uses is actually one of glasses he says you know when i wake up in the morning i don't have my glasses i see very blurry then when i put my glasses on it makes everything clear and so essentially the enlightenment experiences give you this clarity now when we look at the optimal functioning of the brain and you understand the biochemistry of the brain and you understand that when you're in a physiological state of compassion that's your ideal chemistry because you are having oxytocin gene hormone on the other elements that indicate safety can also be on because you're the one who gets to dictate how you're going to evaluate stuff if you want of course the aspect about choosing compassion is one that you can choose if you have the approach of wanting to be that type of person now i want to actually also introduce another very good video this one's fascinating because of another aspect and it has nothing to do with enlightenment experiences but it has everything to do with the part about how people feel when it comes to moral outrage and i have to say it was fascinating to watch this video and i'm gonna look for the title so i can indicate to you in case you want to go watch it the incredible neuroscience behind outrage now she actually has this statement or they chose to use a statement that i'm completely uh, um it's not something that enlightens it's something that allows for myths to be born the sentence they use is your brain is hardwired for outrage and that's definitely not something productive to use this word hardwired because it's like with the attachments categories and styles they are not fixed your brain furthermore is not fixed it's malleable so your neural pathways yes they actually have a way they wire but they don't stay that way so using the word hardwired gives the idea that something is fixed and this is why myths are born and so yeah the, definitely they should rethink that sentence however when you watch the video 
she gives us her name is Molly Crockett. I don't know if she has books. She's definitely, I think, a professor. And she shares how one of the hallmarks of moral outrage is that expressing it feels so good. She says, brain image studies show that when we punish bad behavior, we see activation in the striatum or stratum. It's the part of the brain involved in signaling rewards and it receives inputs from the dopamine system. And so here's where we can also remember that we have the us versus them group for those who live in separation consciousness, that is. The lovely enlightenment soul age person definitely is someone who does not consider a group one or two or three. We actually acknowledge that we share the land of earth. There are resources, air, water, and food, and that we are part of nature, which means we will obviously naturally be inclined to know, meaning our bodies, if there's danger of resources. And in fact, what she shares links to what we heard from Tara Brock when she opens the summit and says, you'd think that during a pandemic, people would be kinder to each other. Instead, they're more in defense mode because, of course, there are resources that are threatened. We are actually also facing what is something scary when the pandemic was, you know, on its peak. And the unknown is not something that the average adaptive child, in fact, the non-disciples that we talk about from the Zen story, they're not disciples because they have all those rigid conditions and they're all yelling at each other. And this is the whole us versus them group. And this is why, again, so the whole moral outrage, I'd say mm, it's based on maybe the average bear, but not every person is an average bear thinker. We have a load of beautiful 5D thinkers and pretty sure that their brain doesn't have this input of I'm an automatic machine that's just going to be reactive because they have mastered their mental, emotional, and physical plane to be in a 5D space. Oneness consciousness is you being an infinite higher human consciousness potential person, which means you know how we work we're social beings. We also need resources. It's only natural for our bodies to interact with resources that are going to be dwindling in a way that will be defensive. This does not make us evil. Evil doesn't exist in the land of 5D and beyond individuals. What exists is the field of consciousness as described by our lovely Dr. Andrew Newberg. And as he again states, when we end, we go back to this lovely energetic field. So what Molly instead shares with us is that brain chemicals like serotonin regulate our desire to punish bad behavior. And she says that temporary lower serotonin levels has people likely to punish unfair behavior. The striatum, she says, is more active when people are punishing. And by changing the levels of this neurotransmitter, serotonin is a neurotransmitter, we can actually change the motivational value of punishment. She says this is interesting because serotonin is a neurotransmitter whose raw ingredient you can only get from your diet. So the building block of serotonin, she says, is tryptophan. Tryptophan is an essential amino acid, which means you can only intake tryptophan by eating enough proteins. She says, may be finely attuned to relative abundance or scarcity of resources in the environment. So this is a chopped up sentence, but basically if we are leading with the serotonin and the serotonin is actually comes about with tryptophan, 
the aspect of abundance or scarcity affects the serotonin levels okay and so in this case when resources are relatively scarce it can affect as i'm reading right now the serotonin levels which then can sensitize people to unfairness lack of cooperation and make them more likely to punish and it makes the act of punishment more valuable or rewarding which obviously is equal to us being not as nice to each other okay so more threatening she then also shares with us another aspect it was interesting when she begins to talk to us about another aspect the ultimate or ultimatum game okay so up to this point what i am sharing with you is important to note because when we have people who are in self-preservation and when we hear about the chemistry of our bodies and when we think about yoga and again we bring all of this together anybody who's new you don't know this but all these topics say the same thing they're talking to us about what it is to be a human being and how you tap into your own biochemistry which again the people in the middle they don't do it justice they don't do justice to explaining to you how you work they make it sound like you're a car which you're not you're a person who has a brain furthermore you're a person who needs to if you want be conscious of what you're choosing so understanding that you work with an imprint and not that you're hardwired in the sense that you're fixed is what i get to share with you and also being an individual who can tell you about the first time i saw any of these documentaries on neuroscience i was a teenager and i'll never forget one of them like huh i'm gonna test this one out i tested it out it worked i was conscious i am conscious of my ability to be aware of myself my mood my everything if i want to that it is not potentially instantaneous that's why it's called practicing but it's your own body so for you to be ignoring your own sensations is a choice that you can make and to decide that reactivity is going to stay stuck that's also your decision to make and here's where again your brain chemistry is something that you do dictate that people with defectiveness shame cycles do loop thinking and they sit and they just sit in their land a castle land that they create that's a choice in fact it's a choice that teenagers make it's one that i would find very boring personally and in fact as a teenager i did not find teenagers interesting i find adults that are still teenagers just as uninteresting they're just a lot more sad to watch as they talk about human suffering as if it's a must when it's not they actually cannot get out of the brain chemistry if only they learn the basics of the brain and when i first started to hear about biochemistry and how we can you know uh, manifest and change the way we feel and what we can do and healing and all of these lovely different topics like plank the plank level in plane all are definitely part of the journey and the other aspect that you want to remember is your journey is your choice meaning that you will have a focus there will be a story and your story is it's really fascinating because <clears throat> so for me my story is humanity is awesome it makes a lot of sense that i get to support the lovely individuals who just want to be you know the most awesome version of themselves ever can we talk about that you know the 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 choosing about being your own life your own self your personality with your name so i'm not surprised that i'm here talking about all these different topics with you i'm very very excited 
and even more enamored with 5D than I was when I first started to hear about it. I was always very amazed at the knowingness that we can all choose oneness consciousness. And I was excited because of the ability for people to choose love. What I see right now is the same ability of the 3D4 community, 4D, to not choose love. And the people that get to be in 5D will be the young ones because they get the 5D educators. So my sharing, obviously, is to support anyone who actually wants to be a grown-up for the ones who are already here as grown-ups and then teenagers. They will already know what I'm sharing. And if not, they will be more familiar and open-minded to it and they will get to it once they get older because, you know, kids are busy being kids. It's not something that they're going to look to to inspire their human potential yet. So personal development isn't high on the list because they're still learning how to be people. And those teenage years definitely are the hallmark of where their chemistry gets to begin to be tended to by them because they get to choose, am I going to be vulnerable and lead with my heart Am I going to take up the opportunity to be myself, to unconsciously love who I am with flaws and imperfections while I'm insecure and surrounded by a bunch of people, because all of us were teenagers, who aren't accepting each other, who are actually trying to peer pressure each other to do things that are stupid, by the way. I had a brain then, I still have a brain now, and drinking too much, we've all done it a few times. I've always remembered those few times, fuck me, why did I even do this? This is so stupid of me. This is all I know, and it wasn't in a way of criticizing me. It was in an active way of, okay, how many, you know, few times, Maria? <laughs> and so to, to this day, I, I try my best to remember I have low tolerance of alcohol because it is not a good feeling at all. Now, there's also the part of knowing how to give yourself, cut yourself some slack. So teenagers, again, they make a lot of choices based on a chemistry that is natural. It's a part of that age. While people who grow up with shame cycles and defectiveness, they will consider themselves potentially changed. And I say potentially because a 5D person will be able to connect the dots the way that we talk about things because they actually are a 5D person. And so mystic or not, they're a human being who knows integration of the mind is this oneness consciousness. Being able to use your left and right mode brain, being able to use your own heart, your muscle, but it is also a brain. We have three, the gut, the heart, and the brain brain. So the aspect of radio receiver, right, from the guy and after i'll get back to the ultimatum game for a minute but when he says that this is where with integration of the mind daniel siegel also makes us aware that we're a conduit and here's where my 5d mystics those people definitely can use maria these episodes and we have paid subscription-based model content because you guys and gals are the ones who like me are sensitive and aware of the energies this is the year of our mastery of the physical plane for the Enlightenment Soul Age Group. It is learning the human way, what neuroscience tells us about the biochemistry, what the psychoeducators, the somatic trauma experts, okay? This is the part that is different. If you're using the middle ground where you're a machine and there's stores and universe and you're using an entity, you're part of the 4D community. Not good or bad, 
but you resonate with that message 5d community it's jesus it's christ consciousness he's a human being he was a human being that existed and walked with the people and he actually asked people to talk to the people to forgive the people there's always a reason for every one of us for the path we're on and it is not religious in any way shape or form that this message is being shared it is a message of the heart because that is what jesus stood for independently from what the church which was a political institution way back when and their words serve the people of way back when they no longer serve the people of right now hopefully with patrick mcnamara's contribution on the religious self the religious institutions will reconsider and reevaluate how they speak and how they use whatever it is they want to keep upholding however it is because science does show exactly what happens to our lovely physical brains human brains there is plenty of data that they will keep on building thank goodness technology got laser eyes because otherwise i wouldn't be able to say evil doesn't exist there is no demon inside the body of a person what there is is a defectiveness heartbreak gut-wrenching cycle and people who get into as teenagers stuff that they could avoid but that they don't and then they have a lot of people that don't support them because it's easy for people to go pointing a finger and saying they're a liar they're a cheater they're a stealer they're a drug addict they're an alcoholic they're this they're this they're that. No, nobody's doing anything they oh pointing that finger man oh i've had that finger pointed Mm, yeah when they pointed that finger to me you know what i did i flicked it in my imagination obviously no i didn't flick it actually i took up the challenge you want to point a finger at me okay you can point point all you want because what what are you going to do with it it's it's like kids when they're doing the little it's, it's hilarious uh to a person who has what is called true confidence excuse me i should define that those of us without a defectiveness we have what is called a self that is okay with being imperfect so yeah we don't know this torture in our body but what we do know is when people point a finger at us they slap us pretend and they do things that completely completely are fucked up completely and somewhere in our heart of hearts we know that something sad is happening here it's not something evil it's something very very confusing and very sad and just that's all we know we we just know something is off in a sad way and it's not worth it to do something to that finger because that finger is there for some reason that we won't understand in our hearts because we just know you're human like us so i don't know what you're doing but there's no reason for me to fight you back because you don't represent a physical threat the physical threat is a physical threat we don't get confused the people that have a confident self so when those teenagers <laughs> were very stupidly doing all this stuff some of us probably did the stupid stuff a little bit but we got smart very quick because you know when people don't actually have your back for real because they're just pretending and that's where most adults are they're not actual adults they don't move out of their attachment wounds and traumas and ruptures they don't know that they have them they don't believe in the updated information they don't believe in compassion beyond a reason they believe in pointing the finger like those non-disciples get rid of the compulsive thief that's that's what people believe in so 3d 4d that's all they're doing right now and all those other soul age groups they get to point fingers 
except for the ones of us who try to bring people together. So here's where learning about the biochemistry. So when you're in your own little uh, suffering wheel, yes, it's very sad. Hopefully none of you are still in that, but it's called rumination. It's a biochemistry of fear. The more you sit in it, the more vengeful or spiteful or angry or upset you're going to get. It's called temporal junction. You're not using your third eye. You're not even near anywhere near mastery of anything of yours yet. You're just using your brain in a very specific manner with your teenage and your adaptive child self trying to prove you're right, getting all in venom in your body. And here's where it made me kind of fascinatingly say, what? People like this moral outrage. And I'm like, okay, the serotonin, I got it, but I don't think that's what's keeping them there. I think there's other stuff that they just, and they don't know what it's like to be in Satori more and more and more moments of compassion in your body. Because if they did, they totally wouldn't want to be in that one. Because that one's like, ugh, it's very harsh and not nice in your body at all. And it's just so angry. And But people who don't have the ability to process it yet, there's reasons for it. They don't have self-love yet. And they're angry like the teenager is with all the adults that failed them and just people and all the teenagers that are betraying and lying to each other and doing drama. There's all that teenage chemistry. And remember, teenage years is when you choose to look outward to others as your attachment figures. So there's that. So you didn't resolve the family of origin necessarily. Unless you grew up. If you did, then you learned how to be okay and unconsciously loving with your family of origin. And then you also are okay with being independent from teenagers and the adults that don't move into being safe havens or safe bases. Enlightenment, soul age person, as long as we meet people who only want to do half-ass of life, that's not a person who can love always. So we're going to be the ones who are consistently compassionate and loving and our minds expand, their minds don't because they're going to get into their adaptive child mode at some point or another, which is where if they're going to expand, then we get to have a fun conversation and more. And that means we get to have heart-to-hearts, which are very beautiful. Heart-to-hearts are amazingly beautiful. But you have to have courage to have heart-to-heart. That means you need to be a grown-up. And that's where... Our lovely young ones will be at some point, and hopefully you guys are there, and gals as well, and we'll get there as we keep on doing the IHP content. So functional adults love language. Let's get to this ultimatum game. Apparently it was created in the 1980s. Okay, so the ultimatum game has two people who have to agree on how to split up an amount of money or resources. Otherwise, neither person gets any money. It's a two-step game. Step one is the proposer gets the resource and makes a proposal to the responder. The second person has to uh, decide if they're going to accept how this was divided up or not. But either they accept it or they reject. If they reject, neither gets the money. So essentially, they would destroy the whole pie if they're unsatisfied with the offer. Now, what this lovely lady shares with us, this is always the well, and her name is Molly uh, Crockett. What she shares with us is that, um, yes, Crockett, two T's, is that the average person would not accept anything that was below 30%. So they'd rather have no money than uh, get below this 30%. Okay, so she says, from a rational perspective, that only is talking about money, so they didn't have resources in it. 
they're like, wow, so they don't really care about the money. No, people don't care about money. They care about being respected. They care about fairness. They care about really, really being presented with what is fair. They dislike being in situations that are of inequality, that are disadvantageous. And so it's worth it for them to say no to a small offer and forego it and say, screw you, I don't want it because you were undervalued, you are undervalued, you are unappreciated, you are disrespected. This is called, obviously, knowing of one's own uh, self-worth. Now, there's a way to be a grown-up about it, by the way, uh, and that's not being reactive. So she says, related to the political events that we've seen in the past years, and she uses Brexit as an example, she says, expressing one's identity, one's dissatisfaction, with the current situation versus taking a little money, most people, they prefer to express their behavior and to be able and share their thoughts than to uh, come down to economical costs. So people care about their identities and their communities, not just simple economics. And this is why it's always something fascinating for an enlightenment so age of people to see people not remembering we're all human beings we all want to be respected equally but again enlightenment so age of people are adults because they chose love all along the way so when you move into the soul age group you're not there to say i'm better than you you will know when you're being disrespected you will know when things are mm, not quite clear there's no need to make a rough, any type of noise about it because the reality is when people begin and behave in ways that are of what only those who hide away, they can point a finger. They don't understand that they're not actual adults, that there's more to the story and we know it and they don't and we're going to handle it with a level of care and a level of firmness from the heart that's where forgiving and nuanced learning new skills always being compassionate the zen master knowing that compulsiveness of any sort is reactive we're not dealing with a person we're dealing with a version of a person that has their fight flight freeze engaged yellow closed ears not hearing me at all attacking me for no other reason except for not being aware that they're attacking a person based on their own likes and dislikes their own karma their own family of origin, their own everything, based on their own chemistry. So they are blinded to their own reactive body that is within their power if only they had the audacity or the courage or the common sense to say, huh, wait a minute, I am engaging with another human being. It's a very straightforward equation. I'm engaging with another human being. I remember the ugly duckling song, if you can't say something nice, say nothing. Take a bit of good advice, say nothing. No, no, no. You know how many, how many excuses people make when I just say it's very simple to be nice to each other? Oh, are there excuses. I love all the excuses that people make. I love the 5D educators more. They give me a way to explain why it's very simple. And because it's beyond spirituality, and thank you so much to that lovely man, Andrew, beyond spirituality, what are Andrew Newberg, the neuroscience people, I need to go thank them a lot too because it's very straightforward and it's basic evolutionary psychology with buddhism not because you need to become a believer but because buddhism has mindfulness meditation has various aspects the compassionate part that they bring into the picture 
has enabled the psychology community to embrace buddhism psychology because the physiological state of compassion equates in the machinery that your body is engaged in your social engagement system ventral vagal your insula lights up that connects your head to your body which means you can feel it the insula the amygdala because that's where we get alerted that something needs our attention the temporal junction which is where you relate to things based on your previous experiences or where people sit in their temporal junction and ruminate over and over and over again and just pretend to be living life from there there's a very sad story man it's a very sad story to see people give up on their life doesn't matter if they do shame blame fault or revenge and i've seen it all i've seen vindictiveness in its purest form it's heartbreaking and shattering to the least and it's a person and people giving up on their life they don't think they are because they don't even know their inner body they're completely cut off from it remember that we have insecure attachment and those people don't know their body they don't know what their actual needs are because they're not even pursuing it they're either stuffing their mouths with alcohol or their time with compulsive sex or their time with compulsive drugs or their time with food whatever it is the movies just name it name how many ways people numb and dissociate from their own bodies and they don't know the good psychoeducation they did they'd know why they're suffering and they try to get out of it versus say no no everybody has to suffer no no everybody doesn't just get a little bit of good neuroscience psychoeducation and you'll figure it out oh but you have to believe that you can not believe in the stories of the romeo and juliet and the movies that you watch or the drama land that again are make-believe so when people don't have anyone compassionate around it's easy for them to keep on saying and doing what they do one person makes a difference and we have at least one person distributed all over the place on this lovely planet of those lovely zen masters they're not probably tuning in or hopefully at some point they do that way i can meet all of them i'd love to meet all of them they're definitely not using the word we're special no they're busy actually allowing themselves especially right now this is a very special month there's a bunch of people who are getting their next shot at expanding and moving out of that temporal junction and moving out of fear and choosing to do something brave for themselves that is not for others choosing their own self choosing their own heart knowing they're not defective from their own heart thanks to those who are compassionate beyond a reason and not pointing that finger and saying oh you're so horrible no pointing finger and say wow now you're cute you're awesome you're nice you're sweet you're beautiful you're smart and that's really what we always say which is why some people say nah your opinion doesn't matter you're always nice so there you go those who don't want to expand they're like ah you don't count it's like okay i i'm okay with not counting i'm still going to be obnoxiously sweet and nice and uh, the rest is for you to <laughs> figure it out on your own if you want but they don't they're okay with being in the middle because you know the movies tell them what's true so when you're let me finish up in a state of compassion what happens after the temporal junction my regular listeners know we move into our prefrontal cortex and there's our third eye what happens when you name the emotion that you are experiencing i'm experiencing sadness and what happens if you contemplate it versus ruminate in a storyland 
so contemplation is mindfulness then mind sight is you being aware of your body as well being able to be in compassion means you taking note of everything that you're feeling obviously within a window of tolerance when there's not a window of tolerance what happens is very much you want to find a good somatic sensory motor trauma expert or mentor that can support you a consultant a coach i'm plenty available for that too for those who are serious about moving into the expansion of you and i do mean it serious because it's not a good use of your time to spend it with an enlightenment soul age person if you do not plan on becoming compassionate beyond a reason because that's where those non-disciples are at they want to consistently justify being in their compulsiveness they don't want to live their life yet they want to stay there it's okay you don't have to move into 5d land i've told this to many people before and stay in 4D. I've got plenty of beautiful friends, 4D, 3D, other soul age groups. Now, they are beautiful the way they are. Could they be in a better space with their time? Oh, yeah. Could they be loving more? Definitely, yes. Definitely, yes. You know what they're talking about? Instead of moving into this more, yeah, they're talking about each other in teenage ways. So here's where we'll close with this because it ties in a little bit also with the topic we had on the Enlightenment special. And hopefully all the background noise isn't too loud. But I think I'll publish it anyways because I was able to touch upon a lot of good points that I hope you use, my lovely 5D mystics and people who move into their Enlightenment soul age group, just 5D. So when you do see teenagers, I remember very much being aware that the free will we were given which you know even if when i get to buy the book that free will doesn't exist that other neuroscience guy will we'll make sure to integrate that one but with the notion of free will so the notion of using the thoughts okay because it's it's through your own thoughts that you become aware of your sensations and emotions it's through that where you say wait let me get neutral let me take a pause. This is the moment you get to say, hey, to your own adaptive child, pause it up. Some of us, we had this little pull. We had a pull, meaning at the heart, those without a shame cycle and only a love cycle within the 5D mystical community or at least the Enlightenment Soul Age group, even without knowing it, they had a pull. This compassionate body, okay? They're a compassionate, restorative body with an integrated mind, or at the very least, okay, the body of theirs is knowing that in front of them they got a person who's more wounded than they are. Because that's what shame is. Is you wounded, defective, fear of abandonment, fear of love, fear of love, fear of life. You don't want to live life, you're afraid of it because the minute that you came into life, you did not get contingent communication. So you're fucking scared as shit, but more. You're defective. This is very serious. That's why heartbreak got wrench torn apart. And so one-year-old, my one-year-old is scared shitless of dying because I love life. There's a whole different relationship. It's more like, oh my God, I don't want to die. So the part about feeling defective is a way that I can't even imagine. That's why, again, compassion, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything and say, oh, let's justify people choosing to be in, no. People who want to talk about human suffering and they want to say that you have to, they can go to 4D, 3D people and listen to their leaders. You don't have to suffer. Humanly speaking, science proves it. It proves it through the line of 5D scientists that I know. 
Of course, if you go get the rigid leaders, they're all looking very grandiose in their rigid bodies. They don't know half of their emotions. So you can go and pretend to be big and smart, or you can actually be big and smart. The pretending is always going to be very, very, very straightforward. If they get rigid and cocky in a way that says, I know everything, versus we're learning about a lot of things. We don't know everything. Oh, and I do add up data points in a certain way. That's why it's food for thought, not facts. I gave you and give you always a bunch of different spiritual leaders, spirituality. Sadhguru is my only spirituality. The spiritual leaders are a bunch of other people. Metaphysics, esotericism, and then the human science leaders. They are all doing the research, and I get to just share food for thought. Obviously, when I'm channeling guidance, that's for my 5D mystics and for those of you who are part of the community using the inner growth mindset. So the people that are teenagers who actually just criticize each other and then they support each other's compulsive activities so they complain about each other's compulsiveness but then they actually just do that it's very interesting again we know what health means moderation we know what heart means it means to be open and people know what fear means so if a person wants to live life, they'll know they're, they're scared, they're afraid, which is why the free will to do revenge eats a person alive. That might eventually recognize, obviously, this is where most people, they just allow themselves to stay looped in this lock of vengefulness and they just don't, you know, do anything different because it's, easier to watch a bunch of movies and just keep talking about evil that's all they surround themselves with that type of confirmation bias information cognitive dissonance they got some leader out there telling them that there's still a lot of different types of thinkers but to again bring it to us a self that chooses to live life is a self that chooses to love life they choose to love authentically and transparently they choose to talk about what they're ashamed of, what they feel guilty about, what they're afraid of. By the time that a person finally gets to see that we're all imperfect and flawed, okay? So when a person gets out of this shame cycle, that's where their freedom begins. And their free will begins to take a different note. They take ownership of the choices they've made and they then want to embody the depths of themselves. And so the biggest gift for any person who navigates life from within you if you are tuning in and you have this way of being with your emotions you're going to get just as emotional as i do every time i think of this when a person chooses their their own self so what this means is they feel so if they have a shame cycle and they're getting that hand right you're loved you're amazing you're really beautiful and they recognize that part of the one-year-old, but they understand it. Even without the psychoeducation, there are people who will fight for their own life, so they will understand it. Those are my 5D bodies, by the way. We have 5D bodies, I know we do. And so they will know I'm being given something here. I'm being given the opportunity. I'm being given a really great opportunity. And it's something they'll become aware of. I'm not, I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah. the psychoeducation helps. That's the moment that at least for those people, they're like, okay, I'm going to take that hand and they run with it. 
and they fight for their own life and they actually start to become their own adult and they get to work with those emotions they get to work with their past they get to look at it from the enlightenment soul Egypt's perspective they get to recognize okay i didn't know this 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 of course okay i didn't know this this is they're expanding consciousness now the minute a person takes ownership of their thoughts and emotions as a human being and they're in a state of compassion you're using that prefrontal cortex and your executive decision makers and you're eating information with mahasamadhi samadhi you're living it because it's data that expands you. You're understanding that, of course, you can't move completely out of one area and another area immediately. There's a way you will begin to just intuitively know, okay, I, I always am going through transformation. The people who drop the defense, they feel changed because they finally feel their actual heart. That's the difference. For us, we feel our heart and we feel human suffering. So it's very emotional when finally we find whether it's couples or one person, you know, choosing themselves. So coming finally out of that shell of I'm unworthy. Okay, it's a it's a beautiful day for love and life because that's the day that love and life, which is what a person is, actually makes it out into the world and begins to see something more. It isn't hard to choose your well-being. If you're a person who knows a hint of your own capabilities. But the reality is, is if you look at your teenage friends as you're an adult, right? And you look at your circle and you say, you know what? They're, they're pretty great. They've given me the opportunity to see what I don't want. And now I have some people that are giving me the opportunity to see what I do want. And you know what? All those fingers pointing... I'm going to flick all of them away and I'm going to lead myself to allow their fingers to stay, but for me to move into where I know I can be. And it is thanks to one or two or however many of their circle who was able to give them consistent, contingent communication. You are awesome. Even if you're imperfect, you're beautiful. We're all imperfect. To feel felt, to feel seen, to feel safe. So it's when people meet their own safe havens and their own safe bases that they get to have those small and big enlightenment experiences. Those change them. And they will know who those people are that accept them. And they will navigate to those people. They will learn how to work with the people who point the fingers just because, you know, they're going to be the part that gets to see if they truly want to move out of those compulsive behaviors or not. And I would say that anyone who does choose love in life definitely is like running out of there like, you know, speedy Gonzalez. Because the minute you discover that life is short in this way that it is, and that unconditional love and just love exists, and you're feeling the embodiment of your thoughts and emotions like a functional adult, again, you understand when you see compulsiveness, that you are going to reach out that hand and be there for those people because they will need a lifeline. And some of them might not really come out at all, but that lifeline keeps a little bit of life in their life, a little bit of love in their life. And although some would say, but that's nothing, it's not true. There are those who want the lifeline and they will hang on to dear life and appreciate it. They respectfully will appreciate that a person loves them so much. And that 
is very beautiful. The beauty is also they support the person. So we support each other in many different ways, no matter what state of consciousness an individual is in. If they want to be alive, they will be a part of those 5DCs in the Enlightenment Soul Age Group's lives because they know that that is true love. Unconditional love is true love. So they will cherish that. Appreciation is a part of it and seeking it as well in those very tough moments to find a little bit of replenishment of love because when it's genuine, it isn't because you have to do something. That's what love is. It's not about you do what I want you to do. Trust not you tell me what I want you to tell me. No, it's I love you no matter what. You do what you want to do. Trust is we expand together. We be vulnerable. You be vulnerable however much you want. I be vulnerable however much I want. It's based on our idea and our feelings and how much we want to share. It's personal. The adults know that it's personal. So some people will stay in their attachment insecurities, okay, and others won't. And some people will be completely loving and compassionate and others won't. We have an array of friends between 5D, 3D, 4D, mystics, and enlightenment, soul, age group, and not. And they're all beautiful. We're a bunch of rainbows of colors. For my community, I hope those of you who consistently tune in that you are actually moving into your 5DC-ness and that you become compassionate beyond a reason because all of those who are compulsive need a lifeline. They need support. And the psychoeducation is actually quite important, by the way. The neuroscience and the fact that evil doesn't exist, uh, it's because the people who don't have a handle on their defectiveness cycle, they choose auto self, auto-destructive stuff. They don't have an ability to, again, identify that it's not replenishing them. You can just be supportive, that's all, and share food for thought. It's not telling them how to be because, again, some will rise and they will peek out in their own timing and they might just peek out and that's it. Others will actually flourish completely. It's beautiful, beautiful. And I have yet to see a person flourish, I'm going to say it, but I see them moving into those, even just the eyes coming out, even just their little eyes. That's, that's already a lot for all of the different types of sad stories that I know of from online, basically. I mean, just looking at the world and people. There are people I know who have been quite unkind to each other, and that's very sad because they actually think that they're light workers. So for me, all those that have been in my life, I'm appreciative of and unkindness is simply met with the same love that any person will be met with because it is an indication of a person who needs to know they're not defective. They're worthy, they're lovable, they're beautiful, and that's why their unkindness, it served the purpose as they were an infant and then growing up, and that's where there is no evil. There is also no indifference, of course, to being mistreated, if you will, but there is a knowingness that runs with the heart. So again, unkindness is a person who is defending themselves without realizing it. We get to share with them that compassion which shatters the compulsive thief, the compulsiveness, the biological rudeness. And really, you just get to choose to be the adult you are and use love language instead of using the adaptive children. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to control everything. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That way I can control and just pretend and 
let me lie and let me, you know, uh, retaliate, the whole vengefulness. I have this various people right now, that's what they're doing, by the way, with each other. So it's, it's, it's sad when people do that. But again, they think they're mystics, which they are, but not the ones that move into enlightenment. They ruminate and they sit in vengeful, spitefulness energy and they don't recognize that their body is suffering it, their mind is, and they could get out of that. That's that biochemistry of fear and that's that loop thinking and that's them not expanding their mind. They're not integrating their mind. Their mind is consistently doing rigid and chaos, rigid and chaos. Again, let's be supportive. Let's be kind. We don't ever know how many... People will make it to their compassionate space, but we can try. So in the meantime, for you all, I love that you're here, and I hope that you can be in a state of love and that you can continue to share that with your amazing community. We'll be back again with more. Have a great day.